Good morning. It's great to see everybody here. God bless you all. Um, so before we start, I have a couple quick announcements. Um, I guess house cleaning rules, whatever, if you will. Um, so I had this whole thing about this COVID update, right? I don't, I mean, I guess I should follow more closely, but the last I heard as of June 15th, California was good. So whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinated, you don't need to wear a mask, yada, yada. Um, as you've seen, we don't have the, whatever, the little temperature gun. We're not going to do that anymore. Um, it's not really a need for that. And then I got news that all of a sudden our governor said that he reneged on this whole June 15th opening up the state. My position as the pastor of this church is I'm trying to do my best to keep people safe under my watch while they're here. The best I can do is set the table and provide you with what I believe is the correct response. We know the Bible says, render to Caesar what's Caesar's. My life is not determined by what Governor Newsom says or doesn't say. Some people are very emotional about the fact that he said what he said. June 15th has no bearing on my salvation, has no bearing on my faith. Um, and up to this point, we have done that. We've rendered to Caesar what Caesar's. We're doing what I believe is our part to make sure people in this facility, because this is not the church, we are the church, but this building that we operate in when we're here, that we're safe. That's why we keep the doors open and all these different things. Whether or not the scientific proof proves all this or that, this is kind of what we're doing in the meantime to ensure that we're helping mitigate there's, that there's no spread of this virus if anyone was to have it. Uh, again, I'm not here to say you need to get vaccinated or you don't need to. That's a personal decision that everyone needs to make for themselves. You seek the Lord on that. My stance as of right now is that we continue to adhere to these guidelines. The reason I have this mask off is because supposedly I'm able to speak. That's why Michelle has her mask off when she sings. I put the mask back on when, when I'm off the podium or, you know, and, and then that's it. Um, I know this is a sensitive subject for, for many people, you know. Many people don't like to be told they need to wear something. My, my take on this is I, again, can set the table. Ultimately, every person in this, in this, in this body needs to seek the Lord on it and determine for themselves. Um, I don't want people looking down on people for choosing not to wear a mask or people looking down on people for choosing to. Um, again, I will, from the top, do my best to be uh, transparent and be consistent, as I believe I have been. And so that's kind of where we are right now. I don't, I don't want to make any rash decisions because this is all new. This is all new territory we're in, and this is new news to me. And I haven't had the time to pray about what I'm going to do now that this is the case. But... Uh, what we were doing prior is, is where I'm at now. And if that changes, um, it will change. And that's where we'll be. 
Alright, so hopefully everyone can bear with that and be okay and not be in a situation where um, emotion takes hold of you and whatever end of the fence or end of the spectrum you find yourself on. Um, Seek the Lord on the matter like all other things. Don't let a man's decision or a government's proclamation of what they say is going on to determine your well-being, whether you choose to wear a mask or not to wear a mask. The next thing is for people who uh, don't use social media, um, we're going to start posting a, a slide at the end of service that has the discussion questions up for you. Um, if you would like to take a picture of those discussion questions or write them down for you to discuss with your family later on in the, in the day or the week, that's, uh, that's entirely up to you. But we've been, I've been creating three discussion questions that are posted on our, on, on our Instagram page and our website that pertain to every service. That way um, you get more out of just hearing the message. You actually can kind of, you know sit on it a little bit and think about how these how these principles and how these uh these main points apply to your life okay so that that'll be up on on um the screen at the end of service um and then lastly daniel uh, gall will be uh not here for uh several months he's got a job a new job uh and and that uh, that requires him to be off out of here on sundays so with that um you know, we, we're a small body, and, uh, but that's okay. People have many talents. But we're, we're, we're in need of a, a someone to run slides. Um, uh, currently, right now, Daniel's the only person that has the, the knowledge of how to run the slides. And so um, if we want to continue to use slides, uh, we're going to need somebody to pray about it and step up and, um, you know, let Daniel kind of tutor them through how, how, to, how to run the slides so we're able to, to function like this. Again, you know, to me, it's not a bit. It's not a big deal. I really don't care about the slides. Um, bring your Bible, look up the Bible verses, learn the songs, so you don't got to read the screen every time you're 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 singing praises to the Lord. But you know, we we have that there as a tool. It's not a bad thing. It's not necessarily a, a good thing. It, it just it's a tool to be used. But if uh, we uh, want to continue to use the, the the slides well we do need it for things like you know operation christmas shot and that sort but we need somebody else um it's not enough it's just like uh, preaching and teaching i can't be the only one to preach and teach lou Murillo can preach and teach daniel when he's called upon can preach and teach um you know there cannot just be one person that does everything or one thing because when that person is gone or you know uh, has to leave for an extended amount of time there's no one that can fill that void so um if that's uh, on your heart Please, uh, you know, c- c- come see me after the service or come talk to Daniel and we'll, we'll get you filled on on what you got to do to uh, handle that. All right. So that's enough with uh, everything that's kind of going on currently, all this little technical stuff. And uh, now get into the good part. You know, it's what I, I, I came for to, to hear from the Lord and, and to see what the Lord has for me this morning. So uh, we'll be starting in Acts chapter 27 this morning. And we'll be running down from verses 1 to 12. So when you get there in Acts chapter 27, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? And then we'll go ahead, read God's word, and we'll pray, and we'll get into our message. Acts chapter 27, verses 1 down through 12. And it says, And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy... They delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship, 
of the <clears throat> Adraminium. There you go. See, I'm going to miss that. When he's not here, all those Greek words that I'm like struggling with, I'm not going to get it right. So just bear with me. Which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. The next day, we put in at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. And putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. And when we had sailed across the open sea along the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra in Lycia. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board. Verse 7, we sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty off of Sindias. And as the wind did not allow us to go further, we sailed under the lee of Crete off Salomon. Coasting along it with difficulty, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lassia. Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the feast was already over, Paul advised them, saying, in verse 10, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only the cargo and the ship, but also our lives. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they would reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete, facing both southwest and northwest and spend the winter there. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we look to you to sustain us. We look to you to uh, fill us with your Holy Spirit and show us exactly uh, where Jesus is in this text this morning and how this applies and how it is applicable to our lives personally today. Would you do that? Would you speak to us through your word? Lord, as your word is the ultimate authority, it shows us exactly the right way to live Please, may that be done. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Some of you might be asking, I ask myself, what? <laughs> what is it with this text? You know, there, there's, there's certain texts that are straightforward in the Bible. And you're like, I get it. I totally understand what you're saying to me, Lord. This is crystal clear. You've mapped it out for me. I understand how, how this is so pertinent to my life. But then you come across passages like this. It's talking about a ship going from here to there. And, and, and it, it, was, it was dangerous and there were, there were rough winds. And they decided, well, we can't stay here. We're going to go somewhere else for the winter. And a lot of names that are difficult to pronounce. What's the point? Where is Christ in this? Again, every bit of Scripture is breathed and inspired and influenced by God Himself, by the Holy Spirit. And so, I've titled this message, Refreshed in a Time of Need. How many people need refreshing today? 
How many people need to be refreshed? I know I need, I need a double, triple. I, I got a triple shot of, uh, what is it? I had a caramel macchiato when we got home from Gilroy Garlic. Uh, Gilroy Garlic. <laughs> the Gilroy Gardens yesterday evening. And I hadn't had coffee all day. And I needed to be refreshed. And my flesh did. And so it's like, triple shot, Starbucks drive through got it. But how many people need to be refreshed in their spirit today? Uh, again, just uh, you know, I'll use that example because it's fresh in my mind. You know, I, I had all the intentions of, of just being so happy to announce no one has to wear a mask at all anymore because June 15th, just hold on one more week. And then our governor does what he does and says, it's a state of emergency. You can't, you have to wear a mask. You have to wear a mask. So, you know, it's like, I need to be refreshed because I was like bummed out. I'm like, really? You got to be kidding me. After all this time, I prayed about it. And now you, you go and do that. But we need to be refreshed today. No matter where we're at in our walk with Jesus Christ, we need refreshment. This chapter, it greatly details Paul's voyage from Caesarea to Italy. This is what we see. This trip would be his fourth, and, and of all the accounts of his voyages and his trips at sea, one of the wildest that he would have to venture on. It's interesting because despite being a prisoner of Rome, we will continue to see the favor of God resting upon Paul's life. And, and I, when I first read this, I was like, again, Lord, where, what is in this text? I don't get it. I don't understand how this is applicable to my life. But you know, all you have to do is ask the Lord, right? And he'll give you exactly what you need. He'll give you the wisdom and the eye spiritually to rightfully divide the text. The Holy Spirit will influence you and show you exactly what's in the text. So without further ado, our several main points this morning. And I'm super excited because, again, in what you could look at as such a bland, plain text, there's so much depth in this. There's so much spiritual gold. That if you don't leave this building transformed by the word of God today, there's a serious problem. The first point is this. Wherever you are at, you are strategically placed there to do great things for God. Not baby things. Not just a little bit. Great things for God. Where you're at. Specifically placed. St strategically placed, if you will. When we look at Paul, his circumstances were crazy. Just, just, just think about it. As you've gone through the text, as you go through the text, everybody talks about the Apostle Paul and how, how great a servant of God he was. But he had a wild life as a Christian. Where he is today. The Lord had put him on this specific ship for a reason. And it wasn't just to get to Rome. That was part of it. And see, we have to understand, many times we're all about the end goal. But do you understand there's a journey from when you begin to where you get to your end goal? And there's all kind of different things that happen along the way. So many things that create uh, and shape your faith and make you stronger in it. Right? It's not just, I believe in Jesus and all of a sudden, like Enoch. I'm just taken up. And even Enoch walked with God before he was taken up. And so we have to look at this in the life of Paul and see that on his journey to Rome, on this ship specifically, it wasn't just about him getting to Rome. There was so much more going on the text than what 
you can see with the naked eye. We have to understand, Jesus, what did He say about Himself? He said that He came to earth to do what? To set the captives free. That's what Jesus said about Him coming to earth, coming down from heaven, taking on the form of a man, 100% man, 100% God. He came down to this earth to set the captives free, to free mankind from the captivity of sin that has wedged itself in between man and God, creator and creation, and has caused man to turn away from his creator. You see, there were many prisoners on this ship with Paul. They were heading to Rome too, but they weren't going for the same reasons that Paul was heading there. They were going to be placed in a Colosseum. Many of you know what happened in these Colosseums back then in that time. They would go in these arenas and it wouldn't be pretty. It wouldn't be pretty. Many, mostly, all of these men, 99.9% of them, unless you're Russell Crowe in Gladiator, they were heading for their death. That's what was going on. It was a death sentence. That's where they were headed. You see, but Paul was used as a reflection of hope in Jesus Christ. Because we know Paul's position and his stance. He stood upon the rock of Jesus Christ. These men could be saved eternally, even though they were headed towards physical death. The Lord had a great purpose for Paul, despite the difficult circumstances that he found himself in. And it was a great purpose that was lived out one day at a time, inch by inch, moment by moment, step by step. Do you think about your life in that same way? Inch by inch, step by step, your life is manifested to bring glory to God. Every day, you and I are given the opportunity to glorify God through how we interact with others. And this is very true. And you see, that's why I say, you you don't necessarily see this in the text, but it is there, given we know Paul's character. We know how his MO was. We know how he operates. And so him alongside these other prisoners, there was a great purpose for his life. Where you are today, there's a great purpose for your life. These people that you rub elbows with that you may think nothing about more than, oh, that's just somebody in the line. That's just somebody at the gas station. That's just somebody I work with. There's a greater purpose. There's a deeper purpose for why you were there alongside those people. All right, the second main point is this. God bless you. (laughs) Kind of got jokes. As followers of Jesus Christ... He will make sure that you are refreshed exactly when you need it. That refreshing, as Jesus is living water, right? Remember the the, the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. (laughs) She's coming at a time of day where nobody can see her because she's like, "Ah, I know that I'm not living right. And uh, Jesus is like, you're going to keep drinking from that well. You're going to be thirsty. You drink from me. Speaking of Jesus Christ, you'll never thirst again. Jesus will refresh us exactly when we need it. 
You see, Paul had much favor with God. We can't dispute that. But it's not as the world sees favor. I mean, you think of his life after he became a Christian. His life was extremely difficult. I can get loud too. He was falsely accused. He was beaten on several occasions. Shipwrecked multiple times. You just think about those three things. Just those, and there was many more that he went through. Just those three things. Anyone, put yourself in those shoes. If you had to endure being shipwrecked multiple times, you've been beaten. And I'm not talking about someone just jumping you. The way they beat people back in the day, being scourged, having some animal bones cooked to some strap and getting your flesh ripped out of the back or wherever it hits you, that's off the hook. Being falsely accused. Oh man, I'm just living for Christ. Jesus is the way. And people just being super rude about it. You know, we take offense to the, the most silliest things nowadays. But back in the day, they would be off the hook if you profess you were a Christian. And he went through all that, right? Anyone having to endure these types of situations would need much encouragement and much refreshment to continue on in Christ and not lose hope. That could easily break a man or woman. And they'd be like, um, this isn't for me. This lifestyle is not for me. I'm, I'm not down for this abuse that I'm taking. At the beginning of this trip to Italy, we see the Lord bless Paul with an opportunity to be refreshed, to be cared for, if you will. You see, he was given liberty even as a prisoner to be able to fellowship with brothers and sisters in Christ during a pit stop on this journey. It was something that Paul greatly needed and he received it. That's the favor of God. The fact that, homie, you're, you're a prisoner just like all these other people. Why, why are you able to get off the ship? Why are you able to actually have a couple brothers in Christ travel with you while these other men are on their way to go literally into the lion's mouth and breathe their last breath because it's the favor of God. It's the favor of God. It, it may not have looked exactly the way he had pictured it, but he received all the encouragement and support he needed to move ahead. Think about your life today. Think about where you're at this moment in your life. You too will receive exactly what you need to keep your faith and not lose hope in Jesus Christ. It may not come in the manner that you think it's supposed to come. It may not come with, by, the, by the person you think who's supposed to administer this encouragement to you. But trust that Jesus Christ will refresh you the moment you need it. It's very important. That's the second main point this morning. The third main point is this. The importance of heeding the warnings given by the Holy Spirit. So on this voyage to Italy, Paul was no stranger to being at sea. He had gone on several trips before and he was getting accustomed to being on the sea and what it was like to be on a ship and the things that could happen, bad and good. Not that he was an expert seaman by any means, but he could tell if the seas and the current and the waves were favorable or not. As it would be on this voyage, the danger ahead of the crew, they didn't see it, but he saw it. Because Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit, he had warned them. 
he recognized that there was something going on on the horizon and that they needed to be aware of. He tried to warn the captain of the ship, but the captain had other plans to continue moving forward despite the danger. Now, when you look at this through a spiritual lens, right, with spiritual things, Paul lived a life warning others of the coming judgment if they didn't turn from their sins. Again, that was his MO. That's how he got down. Once he had that Damascus Road experience, he was all about, man, Jesus of Nazareth, you need to believe in him. If not, you know, it's going to be all bad for you. This is the way to have eternal life. This is the way to have peace. This is the way to have joy. He was all about it, right? But many like this man, Julius, the centurion, paid no mind to the warnings and were determined to move full steam ahead despite the consequences. You see, we ought to be wise as Christians. We ought to have wisdom that God gives us, how little or much he gives us. Maybe you don't have as much as Solomon, but you sure do have at least a pinky size full of godly wisdom. And you and I need to take heed to the godly counsel that's offered to us to save us from unnecessary grief. You're going to go through pain. You're going to go through discouragement. You're going to go through tribulations in this life. But the worst type is when it's stuff that's brought on because of ignorance and foolishness. When we just simply choose not to take heed to the warnings of the Holy Spirit. All right. Now that we know what our main points are, let's go ahead and dig into these verses. Okay, starting in verse 1 and 2. And it says, And when it was decided that we should sail for Italy... They delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion from the Augustan cohort named Julius. And embarking in a ship of the Daniel. There you go. Adramidium. I like how he says it. Which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia. We put to sea accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. Okay, so this is our first picture of what's going on here so you guys know from last week where paul was where we were in the text now that king agrippa has said okay it's all good i'm I, you almost made me a christian you almost persuaded me to believe but now it's time for you to go you can go to appeal to caesar he's on his way now he had to travel by ship because this was the fastest way to travel back then if it would have been on foot or donkey it would have took lord knows how long so he went by ship uh, again, with all these other prisoners. We, we don't know much about this specific Augustan regiment, this, uh, this soldier named Julius, but it was common for Roman soldiers to accompany the transportation of criminals. It's like you think about uh, the, the sheriff bus, you know, uh, the, the, the county bus. You don't got a bunch of inmates on that bus going to, you know, Elmwood by themselves there's got to be some somebody there right some guard to make sure that everyone's accounted for and taken care of this is the same kind of idea that we see here he was accompanying them on this ship uh, those that were awaiting trial and about to be fed to the lions in the Colosseum. and also these ships would uh, be merchant ships that would be filled with different grains that were grown in uh, egypt and were going to be transported and taken to rome so that's what was going on here that's the setting that we see on this ship paul was most likely the only roman prisoner aboard this ship many of these other prisoners were not roman citizens and so hence they didn't have privileges they didn't have privileges like paul but again you see the sovereignty of god he foreknew 
that Paul's citizenship would play a part in his ministry. And we see it play out. You look at your own life again, how you're particularly placed and what family and what neighborhood and what city and what country. All these things are very particular to the Lord. And he foreknew these things and he wants to use you where you are at. You see, again, these prisoners had a one-way ticket to the Colosseum. It was this death sentence that would occur. This was the common way that criminals were executed back then. I guess nowadays we say we're a little more, um, I don't know, we're, we're, we're better about it because we do lethal injection. You know, um, we don't do a guillotine. We just put people to sleep slowly, and, and, and that's a better way. But back then, it was pretty savage. Um, it was a very brutal death for prisoners, but it was cheap entertainment for Caesar. Many of the, 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 the citizens would pack the Colosseum and, and cheer on the, either the gladiator or, or, or this animal, and they would watch them fight to the death. The fact that Paul was alongside these other prisoners was no coincidence. Again, the Lord had placed him on that exact ship to be a sign of hope for men who were coming towards the end of their earthly lives. The text doesn't go into detail about his interaction with these prisoners, but you can be certain that at some point on this trip, he shared Christ with them. Again, because we know the character of Paul and we know how he carried himself. You see, many of these prisoners would have known the reputation of Paul as well. They would have heard of him and who he was and what he was in trouble for. Hearing about his passion for the Lord and how he was called crazy by Festus. Either way, Paul's character and conduct would represent Jesus Christ to them in the correct manner. You see, by sharing that there is more than just our existence here on earth, that's what Paul would probably have communicated to them. Paul would have known these men were heading to death. But he would say, you're heading to a physical death. But spiritually, you'll live forever. Spiritually, you'll live in either one or two places. Spiritually, you'll either be at peace with God the Father for eternity, or you'll be at war with Him apart from Him, tormented in hell in a place that wasn't even meant for you. And so these conversations, though we don't see it directly in the text, you can infer, again, the Holy Spirit will reveal it to you and show you that these things had to have taken place. There had to be some kind of interaction between Paul and these prisoners. There's no way that you could tell me he sat quiet amongst all these men that were going to die. It's not possible. It's not possible. The application is this. We are to be a reflection of the truth and the hope in Jesus Christ. What does something do when it reflects? It shines bright. You can see it clearly. It's identical in a sense. It's a reflection of that object which it is uh, you know, looked upon. And this is what our lives need to be. A reflection of Jesus Christ. We are to share this hope with those around us who desperately need it. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 tells us, I love this verse, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Right? Nobody, nobody hides a lamp. Nobody hides the light. They put the light so everybody can see. Your life, my life, is a reflection of that light of Jesus Christ. Let it shine. The little kids get it. They're like, let it shine, let it shine, right? Let it shine. And somewhere along the line, sometimes we, I don't know, man, we get grumpy, we get bitter. 
We're tripping off politics too much. We're tripping off this. We're tripping off that. And our light gets snuffed out. Where's Jesus in your life, man? Where do people see Christ in you? Are, are people being affected in a positive way by the Holy Spirit living in your life? And there should be instances. It shouldn't be like, man, two years ago. If two years ago was the last time you had, you can say, man, I influenced someone for Jesus. That's not good. That's not good. The Lord's about new works all the time. Even if it's just within your own family. Man, you should be having all kinds of stories. I seen this happen. I seen that happen. You know, we're, 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 we're sharing the love of Christ with those around us. I'm not telling you to go move to Africa and be a missionary, but be where you're at and be an influence for the Lord. Amen? Whoever you rub elbows with, you should see, they should see Jesus Christ being lived out through you. So, uh, example of this, yesterday we, we went to Gilroy Gardens. It was one of my niece's 10th birthdays, and they came up from Fresno. And, you know, it's like, all right, we're like, it's super cool. Let's go. Let's, let's get out of this house. Let's go do something fun. And, you know, me and my wife have had many, many conversations. It, it, it's, it's, her, it's her oldest sister is one of her children, and um, none of her immediate family saved. And, you know, we've had many discussions about, you know, this and that, about, you know, how to interact but the Lord showed us clearly, like, we're always going to interact with them. We're always going to, they're always going to be family. We're, we're not going to be in a position where we're like, you know, oh, no, we can't. <laughs> we, we don't hang out with you because you're, you're not saved. It's like they know our position, you know, but we don't go preaching Jesus to them. We don't go sitting with Bibles open. We don't go doing all this and that. But it's the way that we live. It's the way that it's the aroma that comes off of us. They know, they understand. And so I share that because sometimes we can get in a, in, a, in a weird ideology where we're like, I'm not down with anybody who's not with Jesus. What? what? How could they? I mean, think about that. Think about if Jesus did that and said, I'm not going to be down with nobody that's not down with me. Then he would have never came. What, what happened to him? He kicked it with, 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 with hookers, with prostitutes, with tax collectors, with people that had leprosy and they had been outcasted and they couldn't even be in the village or the city because they said, oh, your fingers and stuff are falling off. You're grotesque and disgusting. You can't, you can't come in the temple and worship God. Look at your physical condition. He hung out with those people. He was cool with those people. He loved those people. He came for the sick. And I, and I share that. I know this is elementary. I know this is review for many of you. And you're like, I already know this. Why are you telling me this? But the reality is, we want to be like Jesus. And so if we want to be like Jesus, we need to love the people Jesus loved. Or loves, because it's an ongoing love. And he loves the people that are not saved. He loves people like Gavin Newsom. So we need to pray for that man. I use him as an example because, you know, I don't think that he's the sharpest, uh, you know, knife in the, in the drawer. But, you know, lest my flesh and my frustration get the best of me, I need to pray for that man. Now, whether or not his heart broke, gets broke and he turns to Christ and he gets saved, that's not between me and him. That's between him and the Lord. But as a Christian, as a true follower of Jesus Christ... 
My position is, need to pray for that man. Need to pray for our president. Need to pray for our leadership. Need to pray for the city council. Need to pray for Santa Clara County that wants to be the strictest county all over. Pray for these people. And somehow, some way, they get broken for Christ. Gilroy Gardens was cool, man. It was hot, but it was cool. It's kind of an oxymoron. It doesn't even make sense, right? That's where slang kind of does not play a good role. But anyways... And I'll share this other little thing. Last night, you know, I already told you about my little bender with Starbucks and my triple shot. And then we're like, man, let's do Black Bear. But my wife and the kids are like, they're, they're not having it at this point. So I have to drop them off. We, uh, we order the food. I go back and get it. And, uh, you know, I'm just chilling in there, whatever. And then there's a gentleman that comes in. He's like, oh, you've been, uh, you've been served. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's all good, man. I, I, I'm just, you know, getting stuff to pick up. And he said, oh, table for one. And uh, the lady's like, uh, okay, cool. And it's so funny. It's like, uh, you know, my uh, tears. Are, she likes this, the Muppets movie. And there's this one scene where the, the lady, her boyfriend. I'm this. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm rambling right now. This is a little side thing. And, 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 and the boyfriend forgets the 10th anniversary. And so she's like, she leaves the room. She's reading like a thesaurus. And she's using all these individual words. She's like, now I'm, I'm walking. I'm going to go for a walk independently. Anyway, she goes to this diner. She says table for one. She has a whole dance. It reminded me of that when this guy said table of one. But anyways, he starts talking to me. And he's like, how is this place? And I was like, you never been here before? Black Bear? I said, well, you know, if you like big servings, I said, I, I guess supposedly it was made for, you know, truckers on the road that they could get a good, hearty, hefty bite to eat. So, you know, because they've been on the road for many hours, you know, driving freights or whatever. And he was like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. And it wasn't nothing crazy. I didn't have a three-point sermon for him. I didn't tell him, let me pray for you and yada, yada. I just simply said, God bless you, sir. And he kindly returned the gesture and he went to his table. And I share that because many times it's not this whole deep thing where you got to be all crazy. It's just, again, let the Holy Spirit share the love of Christ to people around you. Just by telling someone, just telling the checker, God bless you. I bet you that will trip up their world. What? God bless me? Okay. And maybe they might look at you like you're out of your mind. But it's just those kind of gestures that are so important. And you never know. That might, that might seal the deal for somebody. You know? But that's what we're called to do. Is to have the flavor of Christ and share His love with those around us. Alright. Now we get into who's Aristarchus of Macedonia, uh, a Macedonian of Thessalonica. Just real quick. He says, he was with us. So notice, uh, we know that Luke wrote... Uh, was used to influence by the Holy Spirit to write the book of Acts. So he pens, Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, was with us. So Aristarchus and Luke, these are two people that were able to accompany Paul on this voyage. Again, we're talking about the favor of God. How in the world are these two brothers that are, 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 are down for Christ, how are they rolling with a prisoner while other prisoners are going to die? Again, this is the favor of God. And we talk about this refreshment that Paul was going to receive. Not only did it, did it happen when he got off the ship and met with other believers, but he was refreshed by these brothers as well. These brothers in Christ. The fact that they were allowed to accompany him on this journey. The favor enjoyed from Julius meant that he was allowed to take these companions with him. Again, this was just another provision of the Lord. Think about in your own life. What are the things that the Lord provides for you that you're just like, wow, man. 
this is this is cool. Uh, me and the, me and a couple of guys we were talking the other night, and you know, think about your conversion. I'm gonna tell you right now, if you're truly saved in Jesus Christ, you're a miracle. You're a miracle. Because there's many people, their hearts are so hard, they refuse Christ. They die without Jesus. They die without saying, I'm a sinner. I need salvation. I need help. Come into my heart. Jesus, I pronounce you as Lord and King of my life. They die like that. The fact that you can say right now, you believe and trust in Jesus Christ for everything. Again, I'm not trying to kick, dude, but who cares about your June 15th? Jesus Christ is the one who sustains me. That's a miracle. You're a miracle. It's that deep. And for you to not look at it any other way, you're, you're deceived. You're fooling yourself. Because the Bible is clear. You go back to Genesis uh, chapter 6 when, when uh, you know, God was about to destroy everyone with the flood. He said, the heart of men are continually wicked. What? This is another side note, but this is just so real because the reality is if we don't have a clear understanding of who we are apart from Christ, if you sit up here today and you say, I, 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 my heart's not continually wicked, you're a liar. Satan has deceived you. I, my heart, my heart, real talk is continually wicked. It is. And I've come to grips with that. I, I, I'm okay with that because I know that Okay, but now Jesus, you inhabit me. The Holy Spirit, you inhabit me. So now I'm not wicked like that. But apart from you, oh man. Even with Jesus with me. I don't think, you know, again, right? I, I sent Lou a verse the other day and he's like, wow. And I'm like, you're telling me. You know, every time I discipline my kids, the Lord's like, dude, you're 10 times worse. You're a grown man and you're doing that. You know, it, it's, it's so convicting. It's so convicting. Like, man, Lord, creating me a clean heart. Renewing me a right spirit because my heart is not right apart from you. And it, it just, it's just true. It's a trip. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to apologize about that, but I, I'm just passionate about that because I just, the awareness of like, man, Lord, you're so righteous. And that's what it comes back to. Maybe not how depraved we are, but how righteous and holy he is. That he, despite our wickedness, would say, brother, sister, son, daughter, I love you. And take you out of that muck and that mire and clean you up and say, I want to use you in a mighty way. Do you get that? That the Lord wants to partner with you in such an intense way? I mean, that's crazy. People here that are uh, older in years, the fact that the Lord has sustained you all this time. That is beautiful. That the Lord's like, I still see fit in your life. That I'm not going to call you home yet. That I still want you to be walking this earth and sharing my truth with people. And then I still want you to be filled with my Holy Spirit so people can be influenced for the good because of your life. Man, that's amazing. That's a beautiful thing. All right. Let me move on. Let me get on with it. Verse 3 and 8, down to 8. It says, the next day we put in at Sidon and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for and putting out to sea from there and sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us and when we had sailed across the open sea the coast of Cilicia and Pamphylia we came to Myra in Lycia verse 6 then the centurion found a ship of Alexandria sailing for Italy and put us on board we sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with 
difficulty off of Sindias. And as the wind did not allow us to go further, we sailed under the lee of Crete off Salomon. Coasting along, it was very difficult. We came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lassia. Okay. Again, we see this favor of God upon Paul's life that Julius treated him and gave him the liberty to go and receive care from his friends. He was refreshed. He was refreshed. This was something that was very good. The Roman commander gave Paul a lot of liberty because he wasn't a condemned man yet, but he was waiting trial. He was awaiting trial with Caesar. Paul's godly character and display of Christian love was also helpful in gaining favor from this Roman officer. You see, Paul was different from these other prisoners on board, as we've already stated. These other prisoners were, were all condemned to die. But Paul, he was a man of God, and, and he was in need of refreshment, and God met all of his needs. He met him where he was at. Paul didn't have to go nowhere. God came to him. You think about it. We didn't have to go anywhere. God came to us. Where did you go to get help? Did you go to a psychiatrist? Did you go to a doctor? Who? Where did you go before you were saved? Or did God come to you? Jesus confronted you and helped you and saved you. And that's the same thing you look at Paul. He came and refreshed Paul where he was at. Paul didn't have to get off that ship. I mean, he got off the ship literally. But the Lord had worked with Paul where he was at. You see, today your circumstances may not be ideal, but you can still find all the care and refreshment you need in Jesus Christ. He will use other believers to encourage and refresh you as well. The application is this. When you serve the Lord and belong to Him, you receive favor in your life. I know that many times I talk about the challenges that you'll face as a Christian. But the other side of that, think about all the favor that you receive as a Christian. Just think about it. I know everyone in this room can jot off all kind of instances. It's like, you got the favor of God in your life. Um, a week back, Veronica wanted, what is it, senior something. We saw something on Triple D. Oh, no. And they said, Bay Area, San Francisco. So I'm not driving to San Francisco for that. She said, no, they got a food truck in San Jose off of Brokaw. She at 1030 at night said, I'm ready to go. I said, you're not leaving me with the kids so you go get some senior whatever. You're tripping. You need to go tomorrow. So anyways, she sent me. I went the next day because I was like, you're not going at 1030 at night. You don't even know where this place is at, man. You can get a flat tire. I'm going to be stuck with these kids having to get you called AAA. I'm not doing all so anyways we go there and it's crazy it's like they got like seven food trucks they got some they got some homies in the back making everything from filipino mexican fusion to whatever they got like seven different restaurants and you go on an ipad you pick what you want you pay for it all right cool uh it's like off of rogers it's off of it's off of rogers it's off of rogers on the way to like the um the airport, but it's all, yeah, the, that's, the, that's the, the, the side street. You make a left on Rogers off of Brokaw, then you see the train truck and you go down, not too far. Talk to Veronica, she'll give you the address. And, uh, you know, anyways, 
So we order, and, and, and the dude's super cool. He's just like, yeah, man, he's breaking the whole thing down. And he's all, if you're not comfortable touching the iPad, you can just go over there and da-da-da-da. I'm like, oh, it's all good, bro. I'm not tripping, man. I got hand sanitizer, whatever. And, uh, you know, our food comes out. And he's like, here, man, um, you know, for, for the boy, here's a brownie. And, 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 and here, here, here's some, it was some weird horchata. It was purple horchata. I was like, Okay. I never seen purple horchata. I don't know what was in it that made it purple, but it was purple. It's a super silly story. I know it sounds dumb, but it's like, that's a favor of God. One, that man was super nice. He didn't know me from Joe Blow. Super cool. Like, dude, you're not the homie. I don't know you, bro. You Christian? I don't know. But the fact that he hooked Kalos up with a brownie, gave me a purple horchata. I'm like, dude, that's the favor of God. Right, and I know that there's way more extreme uh, cases where it's like, dude, I, I I didn't die in that car crash, whatever, blah blah blah, favor of God. But I'm just saying, as a believer in Christ, you're gonna experience this on many levels, from the micro level to the levels where it's like, dude, Lord, you totally came through for me. It's it's amazing. Again, as we know, Paul was consistently on the go before he was was imprisoned, and he gave all of his life to the work of the ministry he held nothing back in that he naturally would have times when he would need to be refreshed uh, spiritually and physically because he had the favor of the lord god made sure that paul was refreshed many of you know uh, you know the life of a christian smelling something i shouldn't be smelling up in here but whatever door open um we need to be refreshed. I love Isaiah chapter 40 verse 31. It says, "Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles, they will run and not grow weary, they will walk and not be faint." How many of of you feel you're weak today? You're going to soar supernaturally. You're going to be given the ability to be refreshed and to be able to do whatever the Lord calls you to. There's a saying. You grow tired, but don't grow tired of the ministry. Once you grow tired of the ministry, get out. Get out. Get out the pulpit. Get out of being an elder. Get out of being a deacon. Get out of serving in, you know, whatever, serving as worship, whatever. If you're tired of the ministry, get out. You can be tired in ministry. That's okay. But when you're coming and you got no flavor, right? We're supposed to be the salt of the world. There should be a vigor about you. And it's not hyped up on, you know, energy juice. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit giving you this supernatural ability just to be like, dude, I'm pumped in the Lord. I'm ready to share Christ, right? That, 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 that should never go old. I love listening to men like Charles Stanley. How old is that man? How hard does he go? Man, that man is a good pastor. He's a good preacher. You know, I've learned so much from his teaching. Because you could just tell, you can hear it in the core of his voice. You know that what he's sharing. I'm not glorifying him. But I'm saying that happens because somebody is rooted in the Lord. And they can be old like that and do... He got way more he got way more swagger than some of these younger preachers. It's like, dude, you're just reading off a screen. 
This man preaching. He's like them old school preachers. I remember when at Spring Valley, I was able to see a few of them where they, they didn't have notes. You see, I got notes. You know, they didn't have notes. They just had the Bible. And they were just preaching hard. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. All right, we're almost done. It's the type of description that the ship Paul was on. It was an Alexandrian ship. Um, not great. Uh, I'm not going to go into great detail about it, but it was some kind of uh, freight grain ship. Okay, again, I talked about it earlier. They would take grain that was grown in Egypt and take it to Italy. It was probably about 140 feet long, so picture that if you can in your mind. About 36 feet wide, but still in, in a big ocean, that's like a little toy boat in a tub you start swaying those waves around that little toy boat is gonna it can capsize real quick in the tub and so this is kind of where they were at this is what they were on it says along the coast of uh, Cilicia and Pamphylia we came to Mira off Sindis off Salomon fair havens this is kind of a breakdown of kind of where they went um, the ship began to make its way east eventually coming to the port called fair havens on the south side of the island of Crete. Okay, we got four more verses here. Hang in there with me. Verse 9, it says, Since much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because even the fast was already over, Paul advised them. Now he's advising them. He's saying, Listen, sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only to the cargo, not only to your grain, and to the ship, but also to our lives. So, so he's trying to tell them, hey, this is what's going on. And um, we go back real quick. It's talking about this fast that's spoken of. It was probably uh, the fast for the Day of Atonement. The idea here is that winter was approaching. If you know anything of when the Day of Atonement was celebrated, winter was going to be approaching. And we know weather, not good. Winter, ships, water, that's disaster. Um, how many of you like to watch Deadliest Catch? If you've ever watched Deadliest Catch, you know that is probably, if not the hardest job on the planet. You'd never catch me out there. I don't do all that. <laughs> I'm going to stay on dry land where I'm okay. I'm not going to be out there trying to get these crabs, doing all this and that. I mean, those men are savage. That is a crazy way to live, to earn a living. Talking about earning your living by the sweat of your brow. Man, toiling. Those men go through it. It's no joke. But again, Paul advised them saying, Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster. This can, you're going to lose everything. You may even lose your life. He was giving them advice, right? Sometimes <laughs> we have a hard time taking advice, don't we? Amen. Don't leave me hanging. Sometimes we have a hard time taking advice. We don't want to hear it. These men didn't want to hear it. Paul spoke not only from the authority of God, but also because uh, he had concern for them. He, he cared for their well-being. He wanted to see them uh, safe. He didn't want to see them die. He didn't want to see them go out like that on this ship. His advice was coming from a place of genuine love, right? He had warned them that not only the material things aboard the ship were going to perish, potentially, but they as well. The application is this. When you look at this passage through a spiritual lens, you can make the connection of warnings God gives us throughout the Bible. We are warned over and over again to forsake the world and to cling to Jesus Christ. 
if you look at the entirety of the Bible, the Bible gives us benefits to our lives. The Bible protects us from living a wrong way. But if we fail to take heed of the warnings that are found in the Bible, we will ultimately suffer. Think of your life. I think of my life before Christ and how much I suffered for no reason because I chose to disobey, because I chose to do my own thing. Matthew chapter 24 verse 42 tells us, therefore stay awake for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 18 tells us, Pride goes before destruction and haughty spirit before a fall. There are essentially too many verses to bring up that bring this point to fruition. That everything in the Bible is a warning. Paul did this. He spoke up to warn others about the danger coming. Do you and I speak up as well? Do we, do we share the truth of what is going on in this world so people can have a warning before they hit a brick wall and, and, and all hell literally breaks loose upon them? You see, we need to ask ourselves this and make a decision to stand up for Christ and give people godly counsel. But before we give godly counsel, we must receive godly counsel. And that's hearing from the Holy Spirit, hearing correctly and obeying. Only then are we able to be in a position to give godly counsel to someone else. All right, last two verses, 11 and 12. It says, But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter... In the majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they would reach Phoenix, a harbor of Crete facing both southwest and northwest, and spend the winter there. Well, the text says that the centurion didn't heed the warning. He didn't do it. He said, nope, I'm going to go with uh, what the, the captain's saying. We're going to continue moving forward. But if you think about it, it wasn't a surprise that the centurion did this because he had a lot at stake. Remember, he served Caesar. What do you think would have happened to this man if he didn't make it to his destination? His life probably would have been taken from him. Caesar would have had him arrested, the centurion, and had him killed because that's what happens when you mess with the big man's loot. But he was more concerned about what would happen to him physically if he fell into the hands of Caesar rather than what would happen to him eternally and spiritually if he fell into the hands of the Almighty God. And, and, and this is what many people struggle with today. They're, they're willing to forego this final judgment upon their life spiritually and for eternity so that they could have what they want now and do what they want to do now. But we have to have a perspective that's eternal. Have an eternal perspective of things in this life. You see, when godly counsel is given, we need to take it seriously. An example of this is when you hear God speak through a message, or you hear God speak through a person, or you hear God speak through His Word, are you thinking, well, that's a good word for so-and-so. I know so-and-so needs to hear this. It's like, no, if the Holy Spirit brought it to your attention, that's for you. That's for you personally. Don't go try to put it on someone else because you think someone else needs it. You need it. It doesn't matter if it's reiterated. It's something you need to take hold of and take control of for yourself. We need to at times to be able to see beyond the moment. Beyond the moment. 
And as the worship team comes up, this last part right here, just about this harbor, they said that this harbor was not suitable for winter. They knew that it wasn't going to be a safe place for them, and so they decided, we're going to go to this place called Fair Havens. The way that this bay was set up, it was vulnerable for winter storms to happen. It was not an ideal place to wait for the coming season, but they felt like this was the only hope that they had. The majority of them advised to set sail there also. So it didn't seem crazy to them to make it to Phoenix and then say that it was better than being in Fair Havens. Yet they failed to properly regard the wise words from the Apostle Paul, which turned out to be prophetic because this actually did happen to them. When we are given a warning... May we take it seriously and not brush it off. The warnings of the Word of God. May we take it to heart. We are wise if we listen to the counsel of God because it is the very thing that may save us from unnecessary hardship in times of need. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You again for just Lord, Your Word, Lord, and how Your you provide everything we need in it, Lord. You give us the structure for life. You show us what we should do, how we can excel in it, and what we should stay away from. Lord, may we be sensible and may we be adherent to the Holy Spirit. Help us to be obedient so we don't cause ourselves unnecessary grief. So we don't cause ourselves and those around us unnecessary pain. Lord, may you be glorified in and through our lives. Please Help us to live out our faith and be effective for your kingdom. Father, we thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen.